Hello, everyone, and welcome to Friend Diagram. This is the podcast where two friends catch up and find common ground between their favorite media. I'm Remy. I'm Kat. And today, we will be doing a Scripts and Scraps episode where we'll tell you some of the media that we loved that haven't made it on the pod yet. Warning, spoilers ahead. Hey, Kat, how's it going? Oh, it's good, Remy. How's it going over there? It's going okay. It's been a very busy week, which is why I was so glad you uh, gave me the option of doing a Scripts and Scraps episode because I've been working so much uh, overtime at work that I haven't had time to dedicate a lot of thought to like really long things mm-hmm. like films or TV. And so I've just mostly been consuming, you know, little scripts and scraps where I can. So that's what I've been thinking about lately. Yeah, that's awesome. You're in like the pre-holiday crunch, aren't you? Exactly, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Just trying to fit as much in before Thanksgiving and winter holidays as possible. Nice. Well, at least you'll have a break coming up here this week with Thanksgiving, yeah. which will be good. And Are you looking forward to Thanksgiving? I am. Usually my in-laws come down to Jersey and they cook Thanksgiving in our like little studio apartment. And mm-hmm. it is absolutely bonkers. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that we can make a full Thanksgiving meal in this tiny apartment is wild. But mm-hmm. this year we're going up to them in Maine, which should be much more relaxing for me. And right. uh, yeah, just nice to not have to host our first Thanksgiving here. Yes, that would be a lot. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really excited. I've never been up to Maine in the more wintry months, so that'll be an adventure, but it should be really cool. It's been really lovely here. We went on a, there's like a path that runs along the canal over here, Mm -hmm. and we went on a 10-mile walk on that yesterday, and it was Mm -hmm. absolutely lovely, so... That trying awesome. to like soak up the last of the really good fall weather before it gets too cold. I know. Yeah. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. That was nice. Lots of sunshine. Yeah. I need to try to get outside when it's light out more, but that's been a big struggle recently. <laughs> I know. Working from home that way is hard too because you don't really have an excuse to like walk to work and walk back yep. or any mm-hmm. any real excuse to get out of the house. So Mm-hmm. That's hard. Yeah. But yeah, I'm excited to hear about your scripts and scraps that yeah. you've been collecting. Same. <laughs> so, oh, well, I'll start out because this is relevant to our last episode. Okay, um, yeah, please do. While I was traveling, I watched the first season and a half of Starstruck mm-hmm. after we chatted about it on our last episode. And I loved it. So then I devoured the rest of the series when I got back. You went, you got through all three seasons? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah, I really liked it. It was funny because I was on the third season and you know how things just kind of autoplay and you don't really pay attention to like what episode you're on always or what it's called and things like that. I guess so. Yeah. So on the last season, I was watching the last episode, but I didn't know it was the last episode. And oh, I no. felt like it ended so abruptly. And I like went uh-huh. back and I was like, did I miss something? I'm so confused. Um, but no, I didn't. And I was like, that's the end. I'm so sad. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the end, but it was just felt very abrupt and sudden. 
I liked the end too, but I also like was aware it was the end. So maybe there contextually, it just helped. <laughs> I was surprised. Yeah, but it was good. I definitely liked Kate the best. She was like my yeah. favorite character. So I really enjoyed her friendship with Jesse and just her very, very strange demeanor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of the side characters are extremely strange, mm-hmm. but in really lovable ways. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm so happy you took that recommendation. And yeah. so soon. I You texted me when you started watching it. I was like, oh, wow, she's already started. I know. Yeah, I, I felt like I was just in the right mood for kind of a rom-com vibe. I needed mm-hmm. something light and refreshing. Um, especially because I was traveling and travel's always stressful, you know. I know. So I was trying so to like balance stressful. it out with with some funny goofy shows. Yeah. I was also traveling this past week mm-hmm. as well, which was very stressful because I was traveling for work also. And so obviously <laughs> when things get delayed and flights are tricky, mm-hmm. you I kind of worry even more because I don't want it to impact, you know, the work trip and everything. So that was like a little bit of extra stress. And so on one of my flights that was delayed, luckily there was movies on all of my flights. And on one of them, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch a movie so I can try to chill out and Mm -hmm. not be so stressed. And I was scrolling through the movies and I saw Phantom Thread was an option. I was like, okay, obviously I'm going to watch Phantom Thread again. (laughs) Because there's no... More soothing film. <laughs> Not for you. Phantom Thread. I was like, please, just let it wash over me. And it was the perfect choice. I mean, I was like, well, God, what a fucking masterpiece. I feel so much better. That's amazing. I haven't been Ugh. on a plane with movies in a long time, actually. Mm-hmm. All of the flights I've taken recently have just had, like, if you log into the Wi-Fi, you can have movies on your phone or something. But Oh, uh, no, this was the kind where it's in the back of the seat in front of you yeah, and that's the whole nice. deal. Yeah, I find I've only had access to that on longer flights, so mm. I don't know if that's a factor or not. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then I watched like four movies after that, so <laughs> it was a great time. <laughs> oh my gosh, was that how long the flight was? That was, like, collectively between all of my four flights. Got it. I was like, oh, my goodness. That's like an international. That's a lot of time in the air. That's too too much time in the air. Yeah. Is that your script and scrap? Is that your first? No. Sorry. That was my tangent. (laughs) I was like, wait, I don't think we can count Phantom Threads. No, no, no. It doesn't count. I've already covered it. Um, my first script actually is a podcast, which I brought up, oh, when I covered The Killer recently, mm-hmm. I mentioned that the Blank Check podcast is doing a David Fincher miniseries at the moment, and how I've really been enjoying that, and so I just wanted to give them a little dedicated script scrap shout out, because mm-hmm. I've been listening to, you know, many more episodes of theirs aside from the David Fincher miniseries, and I've just been having a great time with it. This is the Blank Check podcast hosted by David Sims and Griffin Newman. Uh, David Sims is a film critic for The Atlantic, and Griffin Newman is a comedian and actor. And they have been hosting this podcast for several years now where they go through a director's filmography from start to finish 
and discuss all the different films and how they um, fit into that director's oeuvre and how the studio system or the streaming system or any of the funding systems for films played a role in whether and how those films got financed and produced Mm -hmm. and provide a lot of interesting larger context for each film that these directors have made. And so I really enjoyed a lot. And it's obviously very funny as well. It's a really entertaining and um, approachable pod. Like Mm -hmm. it might sound intense when I explain it that way, but it's actually very, very um, a light touch for all of those contextual details, if that makes sense. Because Griffin and David do such a good job of presenting all of that information by way of explaining how a film made an impression on them and what they took away from the film Mm -hmm. and the choices that a given director made and how, you know, pressure from the studio may have informed this choice to do this or why the director's cut is better than the studio cut because of these different pressures that not everyone always gets filled in on. So I really love the details that they fill in. And Mm -hmm. I just also love their approach to describing and explaining what they like about films because not only are they very funny, but they interweave in a lot of interesting personal detail as well. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they'll include what theater they saw a film at. And sometimes it's, you know, (laughs) the AMC Lincoln Square. And I'm like, oh my God. My home base. I love it. Uh, (laughs) uh, That's really cool. Yeah, you've told me about that before. Mm -hmm. Is there like a starting point that you might recommend for people of like a director that they might recognize and a series that was particularly appealing? That's a good question. I would definitely go with any director you're familiar with. Mm -hmm. Uh, They've done Steven Spielberg. So that is... Absolutely an option, though obviously he has a massive filmography, Mm -hmm. so that's a bit of a bigger commitment than, say, like David Fincher, Mm -hmm. who has about 12 films I believe they're covering, and are also equally very famous films as well. Mm -hmm. So I would say those would be great starting points. Um, They covered Park Chan-wook earlier this year, which I really enjoyed. They actually... um, it's funny how they they normally choose, you know, themselves what director they are covering, but they also have March Madness every year, which <laughs> is when they do bracket-style voting from the fans, uh-huh. uh, which they call the Blankies. Their fans are called the Blankies, <laughs> <laughs> which is great. <laughs> and the Blankies chose Park Chan-wook this year, which was awesome, and... I'm looking forward to participating in March Madness in the coming year. So that'll be very fun. Um, And so that's kind of also fun because it's a bit of a wild card Mm -hmm. in that it might be a director that they don't like at all. Like, I don't think they dislike many directors. Mm -hmm. They're obviously, like, very knowledgeable about film and love film a lot um, and clearly have been thinking about and discussing and appreciating film since they were both very young. So they do cover films that they don't like sometimes, though. That's sort of inherent in the premise of the pod is that Mm -hmm. they're covering directors that got a blank check, meaning they were given 
full freedom to make whatever project they wanted at some point in their career. And sometimes that goes great and sometimes it does not at all. Mm -hmm. And so it's not a given that they will like a film that they're discussing. Um, I would say another good starting point would be Jonathan Demi as well, Mm -hmm. because they both have, um, hold him in such high esteem that that is a, a great, a great starting point too. And I should also say they have frequently, in most cases, they have guests as well to discuss okay. the films too. So it could be another film critic like David Ehrlich or Bilga Ibiri or Karen Hahn has been a oh, cool. guest as well. Um, so yeah, that's, it's a lovely time. And, oh, I also want to shout out their producer, Ben Hosley. He gets to chime in sometimes as well. And he is so funny. He is, he has the most unique perspective on all of the content and films and like awards that they're discussing. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love every time he contributes. He is such a unique man and such a joy. (laughs) So yeah, big fan of uh, producer Ben Hosley as well. So it's a great pod. I highly recommend it. Awesome. Um, so my next script and scrap is a book that I read while I was traveling as well. So I just got lots of media in while I traveled and it is Hell House, which I actually picked up, um, in preparation for our main trip because it is set in Maine and it's written by... Richard Matheson. I wanted to say Robert Matheson, which is why I had that big pause there. And I was like, that's very <laughs> wrong. And um, uh, he's more well known for his novel, I Am Legend. He screen oh, right, wrote right. for Twilight Zone. So he's just a, a massive name. And uh, Stephen King holds him in really high regard, which I um, actually read... So I was preparing to just talk about this as a normie episode today, but in my preparation for that, I actually found a really nice thing that Stephen King wrote after his passing, which, or after Mm. Richard Matheson's passing, not Stephen King's passing. Stephen's still with us. (laughs) Yeah, Stephen's still here. This is on Stephen King's website, but I just thought it was like a really nice description of why Stephen King really loved his work. He says that Richard Matheson created one of the most brain-freezingly frightening haunted house novels of the 20th century in Hell House. He fired my imagination by placing his horrors not in the European castles and Lovecraftian universes, but in American scenes I knew and could relate to. I want to do that. I thought, I must do that. And Matheson showed the way. And I just, I thought that was a really cool tribute to... An inspiration to Stephen King. And so, yeah, I just thought that it would be a good read. And I can definitely see how this book would have inspired some of Stephen King's works. Mm -hmm. Particularly, I see a bit of this book in The Shining, in kind of like the ick factor of The Shining in certain spots. So I was really impressed by this novel. It is about a group of individuals, um, two mediums and a scientist and his wife that go to a notoriously haunted house in Maine. And 
they're sent there with the purpose of uncovering if there's an afterlife. And it's really compelling in terms of like the scientific versus spiritual arguments that are being had throughout the book. And I, I just thought that it was really different from other portrayals of that that I've seen. And I mean, it's definitely one of the scariest books I've read. I was like kind of squirming while reading it because it is so, um, gory at some points and just oh, really? the, yeah, the content, the subject matter is, um, pretty intense. So one caveat I'll give to anyone who's interested in checking this out is that I'd recommend checking your content warnings before heading into this book because it is, um, pretty graphic and pretty intense at many points. So. Did he write that in the 70s? Yeah, it came out in 71. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, I couldn't put it down. I was like reading it constantly for a couple of days. So that was hmm. something that I haven't had in a while with a book. So that was yeah. nice. Maybe we should uh, include that in our next book swap. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. It's on my Kindle, but... Uh, ah, dang it. I do no. want a physical copy of it, though, so I might check out mm -hmm. Thrift Books and see if they've got a old copy of it, too. I should have gotten it. I had it in my hand when we were at one of those <laughs> bookstores in Maine. Yeah. <laughs> and I put it back, and I was like, yeah, because I was like, I have so many unread books. I can't get more than one book. But, yeah. Um, it, was, it was a weird book, but it was really mm -hmm. good. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um I heard, actually, I read recently that at one point in time, there were plans for Mike Flanagan to adapt that mm -hmm. for Netflix, and it was going to be The Haunting of Hell House. Yeah. I'm so sad that it will never get its adaptation that it deserves, because yeah. there's, like, a film version of it from, like, the early 70s, like, shortly after it came out, and it's, like bad special effects like it just oh, doesn't man. look convincing which i'm really mm -hmm. sad about but i might still rent it and watch it i've been thinking about it for a few days now renting the, yeah it's called legend of hill hell house mm. it's very hard to not say hill house on accident mm -hmm. um, did you send that i did um, blurb to me i was like okay yeah you seem familiar with this it must have been you <laughs> sorry i just explained your own content to you no that's fine <laughs> Yeah, I'm really sad because, as we've talked about on the pod before, Mike Flanagan is one of our favorite yeah. um, horror directors, and I think that he would be really good, a really great choice to adapt this, and I think he could do something new with it, update it in ways that I don't particularly think are, like, hold up well. I think that there are certainly part of this book, this mm -hmm. book that don't hold up to, like, societal standards necessarily sure. but mm -hmm. yeah i would have loved to see what he would do with this so mike flanagan if you're listening yeah i wonder movie. <laughs> i wonder what he'll do next because he doesn't have an overall deal with netflix anymore i think that was part of the context yeah. of what you sent me um yeah i mean i'm sure he'll be fine He's oh yeah people supporting him yeah and i mean He's a favorite of Stephen King, so mm -hmm. I think we'll see more Stephen King adaptations coming from him at some point. Oh, yeah, point. I think he just wrapped on one, actually. Oh, did I he? Say. Mm -hmm. um, the Life of Chuck, is that Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah, I believe he just wrapped on that. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, 
I mean, I'm excited to see what he does next. I mm-hmm. didn't get the chance to check out The Fall of the House of Usher, but I wonder how that did. I'm partway through that. Mm. Um, maybe a little more than half. It's really interesting. Okay. It's, um, because it's, um, it's not just an adaptation of that one Poe story. It's sort of many oh. of them integrated into one larger story. That's cool. Um, and I think he did a lot of interesting updates, essentially, on yeah. all of those Poe stories and integrated them in creative ways. And there's one update and assimilation in particular that I thought was particularly impressive um, that I'll tell you more about if you see it eventually. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely want to check it out. I just have to actually pay for my own Netflix now that Netflix is being uh, boo. a jerk. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've been wanting to check that out. What was I going to say? Oh, I've seen a lot of, it's funny. I didn't really even think about the lack of social media presence from a lot of the actors for a while now. Mm-hmm. And then the actor strike got resolved and they're, they've all been promoting their content. And it's really, um, nice to see all of that crew promoting the fall of the house of usher. So yeah, um, that's been really cool to see. Mm-hmm. I've missed them. <laughs> and I hope we get to see some great new things on the horizon now that the strike is over so yeah same let's see so my next scrip and scrap was like another thing that there was no way for me to fit this into a full episode so it's a perfect scrap and it is a youtube video called discussing skateboarding with filmmaker Werner herzog (laughs) (laughs) And it's a video from two years ago from a skateboarding magazine, their channel on YouTube called Jenkum Magazine. And it just came into my algorithm this week, mm-hmm. even though it was made two years ago. And I really enjoyed it because I love all interviews with Werner Herzog. I think he's one of the coolest people on the planet. And I love hearing him speak. I find his philosophy and approach to life very compelling mm-hmm. and just absolutely love everything he has to say. And I, um, he actually has a memoir coming out right around now. And I'm looking into getting that in the future because I'm really interested in reading it because I just think he's one of the coolest people to have mm-hmm. ever existed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And he doesn't know anything about skateboarding. Uh And so part of the conceit of this video is that um, the interviewer for the skateboarding magazine knows that Werner Herzog doesn't know anything about skateboarding, but he feels that the skateboarding community and Werner Herzog have very similar sensibilities and Mm -hmm. philosophies and approaches to their art and craft. And that's a lot of what the video is about is the the friend diagram between Werner uh-huh. Herzog and skateboarders, <laughs> which is one reason why I feel like it was perfect for this episode. Yeah. Um, and also just because I could watch him speak forever. And part of the video is him just reacting to skating videos and watching <laughs> a guy try to do a, a, sp- a specific trick. Uh-huh. like 30 times and he talks about the nobility of failure and all of these different oh. like very verna things to talk about yeah. and i just absolutely loved it and 
Werner becomes like an honorary skateboarder and accepts the honor. <laughs> That's so it's just cute. like a perfect short encapsulation of why I love him and his spirit. Mm-hmm. And it's a very short video. I think it's under four minutes long, but I think it was a genius move for that magazine to choose to do that piece. And I'm really glad people surfaced it on Twitter just because it's partially hilarious and partially just very touching and stirring Mm. and it was just a joy to behold i sent it to will right away because he knows my absolute flat-out love for Werner herzog and his just incredible stuff that he says yeah and um will used to skate so i was like this is perfect he's gonna love this and uh he did so you know, it's just a joy for everyone involved. <laughs> it's your friend diagram. It's my, it's our friend diagram, yeah. So that's Aww. discussing skateboarding with filmmaker Werner Herzog. <laughs> I love that. I recently saw him, uh, a clip of an interview he did while he was on his tour uh, mm-hmm. for his um, memoir. Yeah. And uh, I have shown you the sad beige videos where they make fun of the, the TikTok videos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Close for sad beige children and things like that. And Which one is of a the- fake concept. <laughs> he doesn't really have this. No, no, no. It's just a, a creator on social media. Um, their handle is sad beige. They mm-hmm. make these, um, like fake ads in the voice and style of mm-hmm, Werner Herzog mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. these like sad beige children's toys that people are trying to sell. And um, it's, it's very like good humored. It's not yeah, yeah, like yeah. to make fun of Werner at all. No. And they did ask him uh, if he's seen it in one of his recent interviews and mm-hmm. what he thought of it. And he was like, Oh, I love it. I think they should just be creative. And I think it's wonderful. Yes, and I was like, exactly. I love that he's like not <laughs> upset and mad or crotchety about it. That's no. like such a beautiful sentiment to just <sighs> encourage people to be creative and do, do their own thing. It's awesome. Absolutely. That completely aligns with my understanding of his ethos. <laughs> yeah. What a yeah. guy. Um, obviously, if you are interested in seeing more extended content about his creative process and his ethos, I could not recommend more highly the documentary The Burden of Dreams, which is mm-hmm. a documentary that was made about him filming his film Fitzcarraldo. Mm. It is probably my favorite documentary of all time as it stands. So it is incredible. Yeah, he just seems like a very wholesome dude. Such a cool guy. Also, I mean, talk about Werner interviews. Please watch the interview where he gets shot mid-interview, and then they continue the interview Oh, my God. That's an all-timer. That's insane. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) What a guy. My last script and scrap is the film Personal Shopper, which um, I believe... It was either made in 2016 or 2017. I think it was officially released in like theaters in 2017, but it was at festivals in 2016. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's an IFC film. It stars Kristen Stewart, and she is a mm, young adult woman living in Paris. She's she also happens to be a medium. 
Um, <laughs> and she is staying in Paris where her brother passed away um, until he gives her a sign that there is something on the other side because he was also a medium. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of like why she's just hanging around in Paris. She's not really working a job that she particularly cares for. She works as a personal shopper for a, a celebrity actress type person um, who's like pretty unbearable. Like, so basically she just goes out, picks out her clothes for events and then takes them back um, to her. So it's not a very fulfilling job. Um, there is an encounter that Kristen Stewart's character has with an entity that she at first thinks is her brother, but it seems clear that it's not after a little bit. She gets skinnamarinked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then, uh, shortly after that encounter, her boss dies under mysterious conditions and she has to figure out how to protect herself from this like negative entity that she's encountered. Um, and it's really good. It's like definitely hitting the haunting aspects and the thriller aspects of like a really good crime drama. Mm -hmm. Um, it was a fun watch. It was like fast paced, I thought, but then there's this really nice ending. That's very like, contemplative it doesn't just stop right after the resolution of the a plot there's Mm -hmm. some like resolution of the b plot which i really liked um and i think that kristen stewart did a really fantastic job and it's really nice to see uh, i don't know just all of these actors that were like famous as like things that people were obsessed with as children and are right. now moving into a more adult sphere and doing really great performances and kind of making a name for themselves aside from that like cult classic career, you know? Right. Um, yeah. I'm glad a lot of people have been making that successful transition lately. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just really nice to see that. And it was a great watch. It's streaming on AMC plus right now, but I highly recommend it. It was a really great watch. Awesome. Yeah, I've watched maybe the first third of it. Mm. And I just, it was like a, I was watching it with Will one day, and then Mm -hmm. we kind of had a divergence in our schedules, and I had to do something else. So I've I've seen like the scene setting for it, but (laughs) I didn't get much farther than that. Yeah, and I mean, it's pretty, uh, it's like... I don't know. The filmmaking is good, so Mm -hmm. it's enjoyable in that sense, too. Yeah, I've definitely heard a lot of people talk about it in in a positive light. Yeah. You'll have to let me know if you end up watching the rest of it. Yeah. Let's see. Okay, so I have my final script scrap, Mm -hmm. and (laughs) it is a short film from 2022 called From Beyond. Mm-hmm. That's from period beyond 2022 short film that was written and directed by Friedrich S. Hanna with Jamie Turville as a co-writer as well. And this was a short film that I just came across a couple of weeks ago because it was either Justin Benson or Aaron Moorhead tweeted mm-hmm. about it. I can't remember which one anymore. Sorry. They were a pair. To them. <laughs> yeah. 
um, they tweeted that it was the best short film they've seen in a really long time or something mm. to that effect. And I was like, oh, I need to check that out. And I found that it was on YouTube and I should have had this pulled up. One second. It's available on YouTube through the channel Short of the Week, mm-hmm. which, you know, posts a, a variety of different short films that I've been also checking out now that I am aware of the channel. And it is also one. I agree with either Justin or Aaron, <laughs> whoever it was. It's definitely the best short film I've seen um, in a very long time. I enjoyed it heartily. Mm-hmm. And the description on Letterboxd I thought was very apt as well. Uh, it's described as a kaleidoscopic vision portraying mankind's first meeting with alien life, told through faux archival footage combined with practical effects, miniatures, mm-hmm. and old-school in-camera trickery. And I thought that was a really great description because it is definitely a mishmash of a lot of different really cool styles of Mm. footage and visual effects, altering footage to look a certain way. And they, it feels like a a multimedia presentation essentially, because you're almost looking at a, a scrapbook of different points of media from this first contact era Mm -hmm. and through those scripts and scraps essentially (laughs) you're getting a sense of not just humanity's first impressions and detections of this alien species but you also see the roots of socio response to this contact Mm -hmm. and how it grows and germinates into different social movements and philosophical movements and other types of human behavior that have the seeds of profound consequences. Hmm. And all of this takes place in about 13 minutes. (laughs) And it is just, um, it's such a strong film because Mm -hmm. not only is it using all of these different tools to create a very specific and consistent tone, but it incorporates many different tips of icebergs of ideas, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. And you can tell that the creators of the film put a lot of thought into it. And even though you might be seeing, say, 23 seconds of archival footage from a press conference or an interview you can feel what the rest of that hour-long interview would have felt like. You absolutely can see how that idea is captured in that really short fictional clip. Mm -hmm. And so I was extremely impressed with the restraint of only showing what we needed to see to get an impression Mm -hmm. of an entire world that these people have imagined from this first contact experience. Mm. And so I thought it was absolutely wonderful. I highly recommend it. It is kind of um, disturbing at points, I will say, but I rewatched it again today and felt less disturbed. So I think (laughs) maybe once you see it once, you uh, understand what's happening and 
um, you can kind of appreciate the artistry a little bit more on a second pass. Mm -hmm. So I'm really hoping that Friedrich S. Hanna gets an opportunity to make a feature film if that's something they want to do, because I would absolutely be interested in seeing it after seeing From Beyond. Yeah. That sounds really good. Yeah. It was 13 minutes, you say? Yeah, let me look. Wow. 13 minutes and 51 seconds. That's insane. Mm hmm. It's excellent. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm going to have to see if Scott wants to watch that tonight. Mm hmm. Please do. Yeah. Ooh. I wonder what Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead are going to be up to in the near future. Yeah. I wonder as well. I'm a little worried for them because they seem to have been thoroughly ensnared in the Marvel machine. Oh, no. Yeah. That machine also seems to be breaking down. So perhaps it'll spit them out. I don't know. It was interesting to see how the world received that uh, TV series that they kind of took over. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think that they really did some nice stuff with it and it was really well regarded in comparison with the first season so that was cool to see and it kind Mm. of felt like maybe they might be improving the system but uh um i didn't watch any of it so i don't know no me neither i just went like the marvel machine at large like no i know thing yeah Yeah. but hopefully they still do some really nice um independent type work as well yeah because i think they were also involved in moon knight the marvel series before loki season two Mm -hmm. and so i was a little surprised that they signed on for like a a second series and so Mm -hmm. i'm wondering oh yeah i'm just curious because obviously you know you and i both appreciate their original films so i would love to see more of those Mm -hmm. yeah i've been itching to watch rewatch synchronic again i've been thinking about synchronic (laughs) lately as well yeah (laughs) cool yeah i'm really excited about these scripts and scraps Ah, yeah. I love a Scrap and Scrap episode. Sometimes yeah. I just want to talk about several things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we got to show everything a little bit of love, even when it's not like enough to do a big episode on, you know? Absolutely. Thanks for joining us this week on Friend Diagram. Thank you to Tyler Seek for the creation of our intro and outro music. Did you take any of our recommendations? Have any thoughts on the show? Let us know at frienddiagrampod at gmail.com and we might read your email on a future episode. If you can, please take a moment to rate and review the show on your podcast app of choice. And we'll see you back here, same place, next week. Bye for now.